Hey, this is Tyler Johnson, pastor of Mission Church located in Walnut Creek, California. I want to say thank you for tuning in. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you live the life God called you to live. Enjoy. Well, if you're first time, I'm Tyler. I'm the pastor here. You're coming on a, a great Sunday. Today is what we call Vision Sunday. Everybody say Vision Sunday. And let's dive right into the word. It's all going to make sense. I, I promise by the end of it, but it's the whole thing. Uh, you're going to hear some cool announcements that are going on, but I want us to go right to the word. I love starting the service with, with the word of God. And if you have your Bibles, Revelation 2. Revelation 2. Yeah, starting Revelation. We're going hard to the paint today. We're going, come on, end times. What? If you've uh, never been to church, there's this moment where Jesus comes and he writes these, uh, has this man write letters to churches. It's from the Lord. It's Jesus talking to the churches. And Ephesus is one of my favorite churches in the Bible. They're this church that transformed a city where sin was not profitable any longer, that there was churches out of this city, hundreds of villages that were changed because of one city was changed. And, and I believe that the prayer for our church is that we would have something similar happen, that, that we would change one region and one region would become two regions and two regions would become states and states would become nations and nations would become the world. That is the dream of what the church can be and should be for this world. So Revelation 2, it's this kind of sad moment because Ephesus was killing the game and they lost their way. And here's what Jesus says to the, the, the church in Ephesus. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven gold lampstands. I know all the things you do. I've seen your hard work and your patient endurance. So they're doing, I mean, they're working hard. They're enduring. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You, don't, you have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles, but are not. You've discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. I mean, this is a pretty impressive church right now. You're not conforming to culture. You're still staying aligned with the scripture. You're gonna love me more than idols. You're, you're not saying yes to the world, but you're saying yes to me. This is a great thing. He goes, but, everybody say, but. I love that Lord's so gracious to challenge us to never settle for something that's not of, this, uh, that's, that's not of his plan. He goes, but I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Everybody say first. We're gonna talk about that today. Look how far you have fallen. Another translation says, look, <laughs> you have lost your way. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. Stop. I believe this and you've heard this said, but uh, if the devil can't make you bad, because the church isn't bad, it's like, hey, you're doing this, you're not, you're not saying yes to the bad teachings, you're, you're suffering, you're enduring, you're, you're holding to all these things, so you're not being bad. But if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. And so this church has become busy making sure that they do all the right things, but they've left the thing at first that's the most important thing, and that's to love God and to love people. And he goes, do the things you did at first. So we're a year and a half old, and I want you to catch this real quick. Two years ago, in September, Mission Church gathered with 27 people in a backyard. 27 people in a backyard, and we shared the vision of the church, not Mission Church, and we titled it The Dream. And I preached this message titled The Dream that, that the 27 people in this backyard, that if we said yes to Jesus, that if we gave them all of our life, that if we came with great faith and great expectation, and we wouldn't do it in our own power and might, but by His Spirit, that we would see something super special. I literally said this line to everybody, okay? I'm gonna use the word line or quote. You give me 30 sold out Christians, I'll take that over 3,000 sit in pews. Let's fast forward two years. We're having about 600 people come on a Sunday. So 600 people. You give me 600 sold out Christians. I'll take that over 60,000 sitting in a football stadium today. Come on, the, the, this church 
lost its way. And it would be arrogant of us to think that we can't lose our way. It would be arrogant for us to think that we can't lose our own personal way of what God's really called us to do. Because if you can't make it bad, he'll make you busy. And busyness, distractions, is the enemy of greatness. Busyness and distractions is the enemy of your, your calling. It is something that enemy will use to try to just get you off kilter. I'll show you how important vision is. So every, every September for the rest of our days, we're going to pause. And I love this moment in, in Genesis 16 where Hagar is running away from something and, and God sends an angel. And great leaders ask great questions, by the way. Jesus is the greatest leader. And so he sends somebody to ask a great question. He says, Hagar, where have you come from and where are you going? Where have you come from and where are you going? Genesis 16, 18. And Hagar goes, I'm running away. I'm running away. A lot of you, you've just been running away from pain. A lot of you have been just running away from stuff, but you have no idea what you're running to. And what I love about the Lord is he doesn't leave it there. He gives Hagar instructions on where she's supposed to go. And he says, go back. And I love that in Ephesus, it's this moment like, where are you guys going? And where have you come from? Turn around, go back to loving me and loving people. This is, this is why you are the church. This is Proverbs 29, uh, 18, very famous verse. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Another translation says, where there's no vision, people get unfocused. Where there's no vision, I was at an engagement party yesterday praying for a couple that I love, Justin and Javel. I don't know if they're in the, are they in service today? It's a pretty late engagement party. I get it, you skipped church, cool. Um, it's all good. If you see them, tell them I forgive them, okay? Um, just kidding. But I, I shared that verse actually for their marriage. And the reason, and I was praying about like, what should I share? And I, and I just couldn't get away from that verse. And here's why is I believe that the world needs a different picture because they may not read their Bible, but they're going to read you. And there's this couple that I was praying over and I was saying, God, marriage gets such a bad rap. May this couple give marriage a good name. May they, people, may they may make marriage look good. May they give people a hope that you can get through hard times. May they set the example. May they raise the bar of what love and joy can look like in a marriage because people need vision. Without it, they will perish. And I believe for the church, it's the same thing that, that if we actually don't understand that people are watching us, that people are literally sitting there going, man, I think I want this Jesus thing. But as they watch you, they're never going to read their Bible, but they're going to start reading you. And if they could just see a different vision for their life, a different expectation for their life, a different freedom for their life, they just might not perish. Habakkuk 2.2 says this. It says, the Lord answered me, write the vision. Man, it's all throughout scripture. Make it plain. Everybody say, make it plain. So we need to make it plain. I'm going to make it plain today. I want to make it as plain as possible. It says, write it on tablets. I don't have a tablet on me. That's cool. Uh, so he may run who reads it. Man, I feel like people are just limping sometimes. Let's go back to this. Where there is no vision, people perish. But man, I hear a lot of people say, well, there is just not enough time. It doesn't say, well, there's no time, people perish. There's just too much to do. Well, there's too much to do, people perish. You are not going to lose out on what God has for you because of lack of time or because you're too busy. You will lose out on it because you have a lack of direction in your life. Amen. We will not be a church that has a lack of direction or lack of vision because the word of God, it costs something way too high for us to forsake it. We're going to go to it every Sunday throughout the week. Every year we're going to go back and say, God, have we, have we diverted it all from your scripture? So I shared this with everybody, and then we're going to go into the message, just the intro. I'm back, baby. Okay, here we go. Um, John 6, John 6. It says in John 6, it's this amazing story. I'll paraphrase it just to save time. Uh, if you, you want to read it, go home and read it. It's an amazing thing. But I shared this with uh, the people at the barbecue, and it was basically an all-in. So the dream was all-in. And so this moment in John 6 where there are 5,000 men 
Of course, more people because they only counted the men, but there's 5,000. And then there were five loaves in this story. And I love how the text, the text is ruthless and two small fish. Not just two, why don't you just say two fish, but it's like two small fish. And so they have these five loaves and two fish. And, and so they have these five loaves and two fish and uh, the disciples are being tested by Jesus. I believe the church will be tested the same way. And it sense, like, he goes, what are we supposed to do? They've came across a problem that's too big for them. Uh, they've come uh, up to a mountain that they can't move on their own. And this is gonna be a test for all of us. I don't know about you, but uh, who liked math? Raise your hand. Algebra, come on, you're welcome. Okay, who hated math? Raise your hand. My people, I'm sorry, Mr. Teasley. Um, he's a math teacher. Um, uh, I just, I, I, math was hard for me. But um, I remember graduating from Algebra 1. And I was like, I did it. You know what my reward for Algebra 1 was? Algebra 2. And then Algebra 3. And then if you wanted to be a weirdo, calculus or whatever it's called. I was good. I just did whatever the requirement was. I'm good. I'm moving on. I'm moving on. Anyways, I look at scripture and you look at the disciples. And the reward for Mountain 1 is Mountain 2. The word for mountain two is mountain three. I feel like this first season of our church, we just climbed a mountain. Sometimes God allows us to move the mountain. Sometimes he wants us to climb the mountain to learn things. But our reward in this next season is mountain two. And I want some mountain climbers. I want to build with mountain climbers. I want to build with people who are all in. And so there's this moment where they go, Jesus, there's, this would be a half a year's wage. It would take six months to feed all these people. This is going to take too long. What do we do? And he's testing them. And finally, Peter, you know, steals some kid's food and brings it to him. Because again, I, I, we have to find out in heaven how that went down. The kid's like, oh, take my food. Because I've never seen a kid volunteer their food, but whatever. Um, Here you go, mister. Here's all my food. That doesn't happen, okay? Um, even adults. So anyways, brings these five loaves, two fish, and it gets in Jesus' hands. And he tells everybody, sit down. Sit down, everybody. I just love that. Some of you need to start doing less and allow God to do more. Come on. Do less manipulating and allow God to actually move the things he's supposed to move. Do less worrying and allow God to actually show you victory. Some of you are just trying to do way too much and God's saying, sit down and let me do what I do. Let me be God. Stop trying to be God. We're never gonna try to be God in this church. We're gonna be faithful to things he calls us to be faithful to. So he tells them to sit down and then he blesses it and multiplies it. Takes care of everything and there's leftovers. Have you ever been around somebody that they just look like they're on the fast track? They get saved and it's been like two years and they're like more free than you are. And you've been going to church for 10 years or, or, or maybe they, you know, they get saved and they're in the singles ministry and they got married in one week. And you're like, I've been here for two years. What's going on, God? Whatever it is. And you may be laughing, but that was my story. I was like, I even started a young adult ministry when I was a single uh, pastor and that didn't even work. Um, actually, no, Rachel was in it. I married Rachel. There you go. It did work. Um, yeah. Hey, hey, if you're single, start a young adult ministry. Okay. Anyways. Um, have you ever seen churches where it just feels like there's like this pause button? You need to understand this principle, and this is the all-in principle. They took the five loaves and two fish, and they put all of it. Everybody say all of it. They put all of it in God's hands. I, Jesus cannot bless what you will not let him touch. Jesus cannot multiply what you will not let him touch. Jesus cannot heal what you will not give him. You have to put it in the Father's hands. You've got to put it in Jesus' hands. This is an amazing principle. Some of you are trying to bury pain, but guess what? Pain is burying you. Stop burying it and give it to God. Some of you are trying to do life in your own strength and you're trying to move something. Give that mountain to God and see what he does with that mountain. Allow God to put the fast forward button in your life. Wounds that should take years to get over. I pray that this would be a church where people can get over them in months because they have the Father in their life. 
But this comes with an all-in thing. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to take a little bit of a bent on this. Five loaves, two fish. I think it's actually kind of easy to give God five loaves and two fish. It's not a lot. But what if it was 5,000 loaves and 200 fish? And this is the enemy of comfort. You wouldn't even go to God if he had 5,000 loaves and 200 fish. You would just do it yourself. But this church, we went all in with 27 in the backyard and we're going all in with 600. What if you gave God 5,000 loaves and 200 fish? What could happen to the world? What if you gave God everybody at the church, myself included, this is not my church, this is his church. What if all of us said, I'm all in? And so the title of this new series we're starting today is Dream Again. The first sermon ever preached at Mission Church was in a backyard and was titled The Dream. And every year in September, we're going to talk about dreaming again because we should never stop dreaming. We should never stop surrendering. We should never stop giving a lot to God our whole life. This is his heart for our life. Will you bow your heads with me? Lord, I thank you for what you're doing at Mission Church. I thank you that, that today as we, we look at Vision Sunday, and God, may you be our vision. May you be our dream. May we not use you to get to a place we want to go, Lord. That never works out for us. May we actually understand that you're everything, that you are our all in all. And so, Father, as I preach your word, Lord, may my words fall to the floor and may your words soar. Oh, God, we need you. We need you. And everybody said? So we have this little tagline right here, uh, Mission Church, one at a time. So um, I wake up one morning, 2 a.m., and God, I, I was overwhelmed. God, how are we going to change the world? How is Mission Church going to do anything special? we got 27 people. We have no venue. we got nothing. Our pets' heads are falling off. It was a terrible moment in my life, okay? Uh, I, the first time I was like, oh my gosh, like, I can't believe I decided to plant a church. Like, I don't even know what I'm supposed to do right now. It's the, one of the scary moments. I wake up at 2 a.m., and God tells me, okay, change the world, one person at a time. And I start opening up his gospel, and I look throughout the gospels, and I just see all these moments of one conversation, one gift, one miracle, uh, one sacrifice, and I was like, oh my gosh, Lord, okay, you got it. One Sunday at a time, we will be a church, because I think a lot of things that paralyzes people in the church is like, how do I make a difference? I can't change the world. You can change one person's world. And this is the, the vision of our church. And so we're always going to go back to this in, in September. And it says this, one, uh, my, my first thing for our vision. And then here's where we're going. You just hopped in the bus, okay? Jesus is the driver. I'm not driving, just so you know, okay? Um, I'm supposed to steward where I'm, where I'm sitting. But this is uh, one thing that we will never, ever lose in this bus. We will never lose the heart for the one. Because really what he's saying to Ephesus is you lost your heart. You lost this. Why you do this and, and how you love, you, you lost it. You lost your way. We'll never lose the heart for the one. I love, I love John 4, 35. Uh, there's this moment, and Jesus is, again, just trying to show him vision, trying to show him vision. He's having this one conversation with this one Samaritan woman, and they come up, and they uh, are asking him, like, okay, so what do we do now? And are you hungry? He's like, no, I'm not hungry. They're like, why are you hungry? He's like, well, I, I get actually satisfied by doing the work of God. That, that's actually what satisfies my soul. They're like, well, did somebody door dash for him or something? What's going on? Why? Jesus is not hungry, but we got, but got him food, and I thought he was hungry. It's this weird moment where the, the disciples are whew, just missing it. And so Jesus just stops him, and he says this. Do you have a saying, it is still four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Everybody say, open your eyes. This is vision. He's like, he's trying to give him vision. You guys, it's not about eating food, this ministry. Open your eyes. Look what I'm doing right now. The Samaritan woman who was forsaken by society. I, I came and I shared the gospel message myself with her. And it changed her life. And then it changed a village. One person changed one village. Look what I did. Open your eyes. I love the way he says it in the NLT version. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. But I say, wake up. Everybody say, wake up. wake up. Wake up and look around. The fields are ripe for harvest. 
And so this is something that goes over and over again. We'll never lose the heart for the one of this church, by the way. Luke 15, uh, the, the, the Pharisees, people are confused. Why are you doing what you're doing? And he shares three stories. Do you know that Jesus' teachings, they were so valuable? And he decided, you know what? I want to share three parables that communicate the same thing over and over and over again because I never want the church, my disciples, to understand, uh, to forget what I'm trying to say. So there's three stories. If you've never heard them, I'll just paraphrase them. Uh, the first one's the 99 sheep, and he goes and gets the one. If you haven't been to church, read Luke 15. It's a phenomenal one. The second one's about a woman who lost a coin, and she looks for the coin, and she has all this hard work, and she finally finds a coin, and then she calls her friends, I found a coin! I don't know what kind of friends would be like, oh my gosh, you did it! You know, uh, but that's what happens, okay? And then the last one's about a father who his son forsakes him and walks away and lives a life of partying and drinking. It would be like if you were a father or mother and your kid left and decided to go live the most um, um, disgusting Las Vegas lifestyle and lose everything. And there's this moment where the prodigal is uh, looking at the, the, um, the, the food that's fed to the pigs. And it says, oh my gosh, come to the, it says he came to his senses and goes, man, my servants in the father's house eat better than this. And so he, he goes back and he runs. It's amazing three stories. And here's what he's trying to communicate. First one is, the precedence of the one. The precedence. Not, the, not that the one's more important. Because sometimes I feel like people are like, well, hold on a second. You're going to leave me and go get, what, ab what about me? You know, not that you've ever thought about yourself, but maybe you have, okay? But they're like, what? So, so the 99, once I'm in church, I'm not important anymore? No, that's not what we're saying. It's a precedence. Let's look at the church as a, it's kind of like he's showing, sharing a picture of the church being an ER, okay? An emergency room. I remember the, uh, there's one time in my life I almost died. I'm allergic to chicken. A lot of you know that because I've shared that about a year ago, but I'm allergic to chicken. Anybody else allergic to chicken? I didn't think so. It's weird, okay? And so I'm allergic to chicken. And so uh, I didn't know this. I went through puberty and I uh, ate some chicken and the chicken uh, made my eyes swell up. You ever seen Hitch? You know what I'm talking about? My ears started swelling up. I started turning purple and I walked in because I sat outside for a little bit. We were playing hoops and I walked in. Everybody in the, um, in the, in the gym was like, what is wrong with that guy? You know, and, and I, I didn't realize because I didn't look in the mirror, but I was like, I think I got to go to the hospital, you know? And so my buddy who was playing hoops, he, you know, begrudgingly, he was kind of frustrated because he had five more minutes into the game, but he's like, okay, I'll take you. He drives me to the ER. I'll never forget walking to the ER. So, so I, I, I get dropped off and I just, I walk in and it's kind of hard to breathe and I'm itching all over. And the, and the lady at the desk, she looks at me and she goes, it was the first time I was scared. I was like, well, you in the hospital, you've seen a lot of people, but you look scared that you saw me. And she literally walks around the desk, grabs me by the arm. Sir, what's your name? Uh, Tyler. Um, okay, or we're going to get you right in the room. I was like, I don't have to fill it. She's like, there's no time. I was like, there's no time? <laughs> what? Like, uh, don't you, don't, you can't say that to me, you know? I was like, there's, what, what, there's no time for what? Like, there's a movie starting in 10 minutes? Like, what? Like, oh, no, oh, because I'm going to die. Okay. So she grabs me and throws me in a room and two doctors come up and they're literally like, they, they get me hooked up to an IV and I don't know even what to put it in me and I don't even have to sign anything because there's not enough time for me to sign paperwork, to fill it out, to sit there and wait because if they wait that long, my esophagus is going to swell shut and I'm going to suffocate to death. They saved my life. <laughs> I'm alive. Catch this. Somebody walks in church and it says in Acts 15, do not make it hard for these people to come. So don't make it tough for these Gentiles, these non-believers that come to church. And what happens sometimes in church, if I could just be honest, is, is we come and if, if, if we start to value our preferences over the lost, we have missed it. We have fallen so short of the, of the purpose of the church. The, the, the precedence of the church is that when somebody doesn't know the Lord, that, man, we make it easy for them to be a part of this. 
Man, we make it easy for them to, to sign up for a softball team. We make it easy for them to come in and, and find a seat. We make it easy for them. We don't put them through a bunch of paperwork. Because how, how silly, because here's why it gets hard for people to, uh, to um, get saved at church a lot of time, is all of our energy is keeping you happy. All of our energy is keeping you happy. Because here's the deal. Well, if I don't have the right small group on the right night, then I'm just going to go find a new place. Oh, okay. All right. All right, thank you for helping us reach the lost and having people go to heaven instead of hell. <laughs> Have a great day. I'm just gonna keep it real because what, what that looks like, if I can be honest, in the ER, it'd be like, I got my fingernail. I, I kind of cut my fingernail a little too deep and it hurts. And so this person's in line with a fingernail problem and they got another person in line. They're like, yeah, I've got a little bit of a cough. <laughs> yeah, it just bothered me a little bit. And the other person's like, I'm just upset and I need to talk to somebody, you know? And, and you got this big old line. And then at line seven, at line seven, you got me all swelled up like, <sighs> about to die. <sighs> You'll get to me eventually, but I get it. The paper cut's important. <sighs> And you just, you're sad, I get, and then the person in line that needs Jesus can never get to Jesus. And Jesus is saying with his precedences, get out of the way. Your preference is getting in the way. Your preference of religion, the preference of how service should be done, your preference of how you should live your week, all these things that make you busy, it's getting in the way of the one. What if you came in and all of us were ready for the one to come in and to love them and help them be a part of it? What if the same seven people that were in the way started saying, I'm not in the way anymore, I'm actually going to be a part of it. And we start really freaking people out when they walk through the door, we just pick them up and sit them down. <laughs> there's no time. What do you mean there's time? You're going to go to hell. Get in here. You know? <sighs> At the very end, you raise their hand for them. You know what I'm saying? Like, I am here for you, man. This, this is lost in the church. It's lost. It's lost. I don't even want to do the poll. So focused on being a seeker-friendly church. Not our church, but that's the word that people use. Never once in the Bible to be seeker-friendly. But we're supposed to be seeker-finder. We're supposed to go get the one. We're supposed to leave here and say, they may, never, may, they may not even make it to the ER. I'm the ER. They may never make it through the walls because their, 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 their amphalytic sickness has kicked in so much they can barely breathe, they've passed out. But thank goodness they found somebody like me that understands that I'm a seeker finder. That it's about me going for the one. This will not be a church where you come and you hear a message and you leave. That is not the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church is for you to understand the value of what God values. And he values a relationship with you. And then he values you going and giving the same thing to other people. Then may we look at ourselves, not only church, but ourselves as ERs. Oh, may we understand the opportunity we have as a church. The second one is the lost coin. Jesus doubles down. So now we understand the precedence. Very important. Very important. Oh, so there's a precedence. But now he talks about the work for it. I don't know about you, but man, it sounds like really like, you know, like, let's do it. It's all good. Yeah, let's reach the lost. Until you actually meet somebody who's lost and they drive you crazy. It says that throughout Scripture that Jesus had compassion on people. I feel like if you actually pulled the church and saw their hearts, and they were annoyed at people. Not once Jesus was annoyed at people. He always had compassion on people. And it's going to take a lot of work to do what God's called us to do. I think of the 27 people that were in the backyard, and I was just, I was praying this morning. I was thanking the Lord for people that God sent. Because all this takes work. All of it takes work. A lazy church is not going to 
kick out depression. It says this in Proverbs. It's a very simple verse, but I think it's something that all of us need to hear today. Diligent hands will rule, but laziness ends in forced labor. When the church is lazy, people will be forced to be ruled by things like depression and worry. But when the church says, I'm not going to be lazy, I'm going to be a diligent, I'm going to be a diligent worker in the land, we're going to take over this land because the gates of hell cannot stand against us. And I think about even just setting up and tearing down. I think about the people who show up for prayer. I started thanking for God for people. If I'm being honest, the way that I look at uh, people in church uh, and process is you have what I call gatherers, givers, and growers. I'm going to let you in, in on like our backdoor meetings in the office. And I'll be completely honest with you. When somebody tells me they're leaving the church because they're frustrated with something, I go, were they a gatherer? They didn't bring nobody. They were all about themselves. Were they a giver? They never gave their time. They never gave their money. And they were not a grower. They were not growing, and they were not trying to help grow people. We didn't lose anything but a dead person. They weren't alive. Can I, can I speak honest with you? If, if you aren't a gatherer, if you're not a giver, if you're not a grower, you're not actually being like Jesus. I thought about the 27 in the back, and I thought about the new people that are in, in it with us, and, and I was thanking God for, for Mitch and Melanie. I was thanking God for, for the Howells. I was thanking God for the Cashmans. I was thanking God for so many different families, and I wish I could say all of your names, the merits. I don't even know if the merits are in here, but there are people every Sunday that I, I don't even want to take it for granted. Uh, Mark Pulver, I, I, I don't want to take it for granted that I walk in here at 8 a.m. that people have been here since 7 a.m. setting up, serving in kids, and then coming to service. This doesn't happen without hard work. It doesn't happen. I, I uh, started doing CrossFit six weeks ago. Nobody's noticed, but whatever. Um, <laughs> so I, uh, I've been doing CrossFit for about six weeks, seven weeks, whatever. And uh, when, I, when I tell people, I'm like, yeah, I'm doing CrossFit with Tom Glazier. This is literally what they say every time. Tom's looking great. I'm doing it with him. I was in the office and, uh, you know, uh, Josh is there. I was like, yeah, I got to go. Uh, I'm going to, and when you do CrossFit, first rule of CrossFit is you talk about CrossFit. So, you know, so like, when you leave, like, we're going to CrossFit. All right, guys, work's done. We're going to go to CrossFit. And so I tell Josh, hey, I'm going to go do some CrossFit with Tom. And, uh, and, and Josh is like, yeah, Tom's looking great. I'm like, what the deal? Like, I, I, I'm doing it too, you know? And like, well, it's just, you're probably just a great trainer. That's why. Like, you're doing something. No, it's because Tom was fitter than I am and he actually pushes himself harder. Um, and here's what I mean by that. We do these things called man makers. Anybody done the man makers of CrossFit? If you never have done it, you run if you ever hear the name, okay? So a man maker is you have these dumbbells and you do a push up. And then once you do the push up, you pull the dumbbell here and another dumbbell here, and that's one, okay? And we do this thing all like, I think seven, six, five. You do seven, and then you do six, and then you do five. And to be honest, I call them boy makers because I can't even do a real push up in the second round where I'm on my knees, I'm like, one, two, you know? But I told Tom, I was like, Tom, I'm 37. I want to be fit in my 40s. And so I was like, let's do it, bro. I'm committed. And so we're doing man makers. Tom's doing man makers. I'm doing boy makers. And I'm doing a boy maker. And I finish. And we were supposed to do seven. And I think Tom saw us. I only did six. Tom's like, hey, bro, you only did six. You're supposed to do seven. Oh, I hate this guy. <laughs> seven. You know, oh, you're welcome. And I thought to myself, I was like, man, like, I want more people like that in my life. Our flesh is so lazy. Man, we want the pecs without the push-ups. I want to be ripped. I won't even do the push-ups. I was like, I need, my, I need, I need to work on my pecs. You got to do the push-ups, Tyler, if you want the pecs. This is just how it works. And I think what happens in church is I think that me as a pastor, I settle. I settle sometimes because I'm just glad that you showed up. 
I'm just glad that you're here. I will be a horrible pastor, and this will be a horrible church if I allow you to sneak out on all the things God would have you do and to live the life that he called you to live. There's a standard for you to live for Jesus. There is a commitment. There is a work ethic. We will outwork and outpray everybody. That's my prayer for our church. That there will be people saying, come on, man, why did you skip service this last Sunday and not serve? Eh, Niners played at 10. Oh, good point. Okay, never mind. Good call. That's not going to be this church. It's not going to be this church. We're going to have a vision. And again, Jesus was, when he was building the church, do you know what he'd do sometimes? Everybody was loving it. I mean, like, we're talking like church stats would have been through the roof. And he's like, oh, they love it, huh? Well, here's the deal, everybody. Do you have a good time eating the bread? Well, here's what's next. You got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And people were like, I'm out of here. This is weird. Here's what he's saying. You, you want to be a part of this? You got to become me. I got to be everything to you. I need full commitment. And the ones that were committed changed the world. Jesus didn't build a crowd to change the world. He built a church to change the world. And we're going to build a church. And it takes work to build a church. So this next season, as, as you come and you see this one at a time, that you'd actually want to be part of that. That you'd serve one Sunday at a time or in a small group one week at a time. That you'd say, man, I want to be a part of this. I just want to just come. The, the, the last thing that he shows, and it's the, the prodigal, I have five minutes left. That's crazy. And I have like four points, but whatever. Um, I'm back. Uh, Luke 15, the last one is the preparation and the celebration for the, last, the lost one. And so you have this moment where he shares about the precedence. He shares about the work ethic that it takes for the lost. And then the last one, he talks about uh, what we should be doing before they come. And so he talks about preparation and celebration in this moment with the prodigal. And the preparation is it's very subtle. And I, I, I need to share it with you, but it's, he talks about when the son comes back, he sprints to him, hugs him, kisses him, gives him his robe. It's this amazing moment where the son comes back and the father pays the price for his son to come back, of course. But he says, go get the fattened calf. And I, I love that. I love that he goes, don't go get the, like, whatever calf. Go get the fattened calf. If you are, anybody in farming? We're in the suburbs. Didn't think so. Okay, cool. Um, I'll break it down for you. Uh, a calf doesn't get fattened without somebody feeding it all the time. What you feed grows. And what you feed, uh, again, is going to be the thing that I believe that you're going to be able to offer people. And so there's this preparation moment. And I believe that the Father, I'm going to invite the worship team to come up, but I believe the Father, when he was waiting for a son, that he would go to that fattened calf. And maybe his servants would feed the fattened calf. But I, I like to think that the Father would come sometimes and be like, eat up, baby. Because when my son comes back, we going to slaughter you and then eat you. <laughs> So I'm preparing you for, for a celebration. I, I like to think that there's two things that the church needs to do a lot better at. And some people feel like it's just not their gifting. And the two things is one of the preparations is prayer. Is some people are like, I just don't feel like I'm, I'm like, it's, it's not my grace zone praying. It's a mandate for all of us to pray. So if you're not praying for the lost, praying for the church, praying for me and praying for people, I how can we be too busy to just pray for those things? So prayer is a preparation. It's, it's, you're feeding these things with, with, in the spiritual. Come on now. And then the last thing is the practical. If we can't invest in each other, we can't invest in the church, it's not going to get what it's supposed to be. God cannot be mocked. We reap what we sow. And so when we invest in all these things, we're praying, 
We're invested in people. The church, if I could be real, gets really, really fat, but good fat, okay? Like a good old ribeye fat. Just bear with me. So when somebody comes in for the first time, this thing has been so fed and so invested in that they just get to eat for a season. Some people are, are starving for friendship and love and peace. And when the church is full of it, man, the ones that need it the most get to eat from the table. And what happens a lot in the church is we're so not feeding the church and we're not investing in the church. So when somebody does come, there's not enough preparation for them to come and there's no room actually to celebrate because they have nothing to celebrate because there's no relationship for them. That's why we, we believe in small groups so much. That's why we're, we're going to have 50 small groups this next season. That's why we believe that you should say yes to helping other people be a part of this. This is the three things that Jesus shows that should be a, a vision for us as disciples in the church. Is this making sense? I, uh, I feel like I should share some of our Vision Sunday announcements because uh, it is Vision Sunday. Um, and they're three very simple ones. I think as we go, we need to make more room. We, need, we can't make it hard for people to come to church. And as you've noticed, um, uh, in August, usually you don't start growing like, like harvest grow, like fall growth, like a church until October. That's what happened last year too. We jumped like 100 people in October, but we're, we're growing. And so one of the things that we want to do in the church is we want to make it easy for people to come to church. But one of the ways you make it easy is you make room for them to come. You make parking spots available. Somebody who doesn't know the love of God, they are going to be really picky. You know, I like that place, but like, it's always just so packed. I'm going to go somewhere else, you know. We're going to make room. So we're going to add a third service starting October 6th. Uh, come on now. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. So, so we're, we're, we're going to make room. Uh, and I, I believe this, that, that God always loves making room. And so we're going to have a 9 a.m., a 1045, and a 1230. Uh, I'm really excited about it. So, uh, but here's what happens when you have 9 a.m., 10 a, uh, 1045, and 1230. We need more workers. I was talking to Josh for kids. He's like, that's a whole nother service. I mean, is Josh in here? He was. We'll talk later. Um, he's working. He's working. That's a good point. Today's a big day for him. Uh, but we need, we need more workers. The, the, the Lord says don't pray for the harvest. It's there. Pray for workers. So when the harvest comes, we have enough workers. So, so I, I'm going to ask you if you pray about serving this next season and, and partner with us in, in different ways. Set up teardown, kids, um, anything. Email me or Casey or anybody on our staff, and we're going to get you connected. Second announcement is, uh, we're going to do, I love my city. I love my city. I love my nation. I love my world. There's this moment in the, uh, in the New Testament where Jesus is teaching them really what it means to love your neighbor. And they're like, well, what's it really like? And so he shares the Good Samaritan story. And uh, what happens is these first two people, one is a religious person and another person walks by. And then finally a Samaritan walks by. And this person has been beaten up and they've been left basically to maybe pass out for a long time or die. We don't know, but he's been beaten up pretty bad and robbed. And two, two walk by, and the third one finally grabs the person, throws him on their horse or donkey, and brings him to an inn, and it costs them money, costs them a lot of things. But Jesus says, which one do you think was the one that actually loved their neighbor as themselves? Of course, the third one. I don't know about you, but if we heard that parable today, the parable would probably look like the first person walked by the person and be like, oh, it's so sad. I send my thoughts for you. Okay, bye. Okay. Because you see that a lot. Like when bad things happen, thoughts are with you. The person on the side like, oh, thanks. I love your thoughts. And then the religious people, if I'm being honest, if prayers are good. The religious person might be like, oh, it's terrible. Praying for you. We're not going to send just our thoughts and prayers. We're going to send our people and our provision. Because if you actually want to be what Jesus was, we got to send people in provision. 
And what I mean by that is I love my city, I love my nation, I love my world is we are birthing different ministries this next year you're gonna see it happen is where we're gonna start adopting our city even more. Where we're gonna be around and when this city needs help, we're not gonna be like, just praying for you. They say that there's a new thing that they've studied. It's called compassion fatigue. We see too many needs, so therefore we're just fatigued. We see something bad and we just flip the channel. Well, that's just too bad. Our church will not have compassion fatigue because compassion fatigue is from the world, but compassion for the lost and the broken is from heaven and that never runs out. And so we're gonna birth, I love my city. You're gonna see those things throughout this year. We're gonna birth, I love my nation. We're gonna start investing in different things throughout the nation. One is we're just gonna start investing in church plants. We're gonna give a monthly amount to an organization that plants a church every eight days. Because we believe the church is the vehicle that changes the world. This, this month, it's called ARC. They're planting 28 churches today, today. So we're gonna invest our resources in churches. It's not just about us. And then I love my world. We're gonna partner with global partners that uh, know how to actually get resources, just like what happened in the Bahamas. Great organization, Convoy of Hope. And I was like so frustrated. I was like, Lord, I wish we could like send 50 people right now, get on a plane and go help Convoy of Hope. I wish we had like that, that kind of infrastructure because the Bahamas right now, there are people that are dying, they have nothing. And if the church would say yes, oh, what a cool thing it would be for, for us to be what we're supposed to be to this world. So we're, we're a year and a half. But I believe as we build the church that pleases God, that when things happen, oh, you're gonna hear us coming. Hundreds of people. When, when there is disaster, the early church, they were marked by not running away from it, but running to it, and so will we. This is our church. This is our mission. So we're gonna be launching this. If you're intrigued by that, uh, Rachel, email her. Just fill her, fill her box, okay? Okay, cool. Um, was I supposed to say your email, babe? Am I allowed to say your email? Email you? Okay, cool. Um, and then we're gonna start baptisms. We're gonna try at least every Sunday, doing baptisms every Sunday. Uh, I believe that, uh, come on now, we're, gonna, uh, we're actually gonna have a video thing out there. We're gonna baptize, we're gonna play it during worship. We'll have people share their testimony. Uh, one of the things I've just really felt pressed is the way you defeat the enemy is the, um, the blood of the lamb, the power of the testimony, not loving your life too much. And we're, we're a mobile church and it's just grieved me. We've been able to go off site and do baptisms, but as a church, we should be able to celebrate that together. And we should be able to celebrate what, what's happening in somebody's life that, the outward expression of inward confession, but to be able to rally around and say, man, we want to, be, we want to partner with you. So uh, in September, we're going to start actually doing baptisms every service. It's going to be awesome. And then last but not least, heart for the house, heart for the house. Uh, November 10th, uh, we're going to start a basically heart for a house. And we've done this the last, uh, basically last year for the first time when we moved into Las Lomas. We wanted to raise about 50 grand to be able to buy stuff for kids and uh, buy stuff for also the sanctuary and um, and that's what we did and people gave generously and it was awesome. But what I know is that God uh, is showing us that this is not our final home. Let's just be real, this is a bridge campus. It's even what we said. And so November 10th, we're gonna come out with a vision on us trying to get into a, a home by January, 2021. And that's aggressive, but I believe we can do it. And so, so November 10th, we're gonna be, come on now. Um, I believe it. I think there's some great opportunities out there of either churches that are going to want to sell us or give us, or um, there could be some uh, some buildings to lease for something. But bottom line, we're not guaranteed every year here. We're, we do six months at a time. And man, I want to be able to have a house. They say that your church actually grows 30% when you move into a home. I think the world is so unstable. People are looking for a stable thing. There's a lot of reasons why. And so, man, I want, to, I, I, I want us to believe in dreams. So November 10th, we'll come out with more information about that. But we're going to believe that we're actually going to raise enough money or somebody's gonna give us a building and then when we, then we raise the money, we can remodel the building they give us because it's not gonna be brand new, let's just be honest. Uh, but we're gonna take care of that, baby. Does that sound good? So that's where we're going. I, uh...
don't know about you, but I just, I feel like God's uh, um, doing something that's just so not normal at Mission Church. And as we move into the fall, uh, even from this message, I think some of you got tugged on your heart. Man, I, I know I'm supposed to do more, I, and, and I know I'm supposed to receive more, and I'm missing out because the Bible says that those who serve you are refreshed. This is your season. This is your call to action. This is your, we wanna do life with you. Sometimes we're like, oh, I'd love to be able to hang out with you, Tyler. Just come to all the church stuff with me. I'm always there. We can hang out all the time. Raise back your heads with me. Thanks again for listening to the Mission Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Bay Area, we invite you to come join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at missionchurchca.com. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.